When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic podcast, with draft day fast approaching, we talk about some of the craziest stories in NFL draft history. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. All right, we're back on schedule. Got my notes, phones right there, and my iPad. Let's go. NFL historians and lovers of sports history, welcome in. This show, of course, is for all you guys and gals. It's cool. I always say this. It's cool if you already know this stuff. That's great. If this is your first time listening to this show, it's great. You already know it. Bravo. Congratulations. But please remember, there's always someone else who does it. That's why this show exists. This show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history. And I'm here to do three things. That is enlighten, teach, and learn. This is the Behind the Mic Podcast. I am your host, Michael Neal Jr. This show is presented by Belly Up Sports, Belly Up Media, Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Also, go to the website, bellyupsports.com. Click on it. Read the stories. Check out the merch. And especially the shows. And especially this show all right you heard me right the behind the mic podcast all right you catch us on our home base of megaphone all right m-e-g-a-p-h-o-n-a o-n-a o-n-e i can't talk today i'm moving too fast i promise i won't be before you long but also you have the favorites apple podcast spotify slow down mike google podcast amazon music stitcher iHeartRadio, and youtube all right we got through that one okay so Again, I won't be before you long. Uh, with the NFL draft about to happen here in a little bit, we want to do some stories. I thought that would be fun. And we're familiar with some uh, of these that's just gone on throughout the latest of the NFL draft history. And even some that happened, you know, some years ago. Laramie Tunzel, that was one of the ones that was a shocker for me. Uh, he's now the highest paid tackle in the NFL, right? Draft day in Chicago, 2016. He's drafted 13th overall by the Miami Dolphins in the first round. And then somebody in his family dropped dime on him smoking weed, using a bong with a gas mask. <laughs> they tried to destroy his rep 
oh boy, that it, it didn't take long, did it? You know, someone's always is all you you gotta have haters. Uh anyway, Eli Manning, he doesn't want to go to the Chargers. So, you know, he gets flipped, you know, for uh Phillip Rivers, and he ends up with the New York Giants, two Super Bowl uh rings later. I mean, it's in history. John Elway didn't want to play for the Colts in 1983. Ends up eventually in uh Denver and the Colts after that 83 season. They move in the middle of the night, Mayflower City, going all the way to Indianapolis, right? And then you got the, what, the 2020 COVID virtual draft. Raise your hand if you remember that. Yeah, I do. I remember that very, very well. Um, it, it was weird. It was odd, but it was cool seeing that draft just, you know, go on without a hitch. So it's been a while, and I know you missed it. So, boys and girls, I think you already know it. It's story time with Uncle Mike. All right, bring in the cots, pull up your uh, pillows, get your, uh, you know, fold-out mats. You remember the blue and red mats you used to have when you were a kid? Yeah, bring those. Gather around, kids. We're going to tell some NFL draft stories. So, again, I mean, there were so many of these stories that just really blew my mind. And here, I mean, 1999 draft. This is one that you should be uh, privy to. You should know about this. So Donovan McNabb, he's selected by the Philadelphia Eagles. He is booed like crazy. Why? Because they, the Philadelphia Eagles fans, even the mayor, they let the Eagles brass know we want the best player in the NFL draft, which at the time was running back, Texas running back Ricky Williams. They passed on. They needed a quarterback. And I think they made the right choice. They made the right choice. Ricky Williams was good. He was really good. But, of course, we know that uh, the Washington football team, just for <laughs> the commanders, the Washington football team at the time, they made a big trade with the New Orleans Saints. And that happened with Hall of Fame <laughs> coach Mike Dicker. I still can't believe he did that. I mean, he, he traded the entire draft for the Saints, the whole 1999 draft away to Washington. Plus, he gave them a first and a third round pick for the next draft in 2000, just to move up seven spots to select this running back that only stayed with them for three years. And Dicko only lasted one year after a couple of six and 10 seasons. I think they won three games that year with Ricky Williams there. And, you know, you got the wedding dress and uh, <laughs> with Ricky Williams in the wedding dress and on the front cover of the uh, ESPN, the magazine, along with Dicko for better, for worse. Right. You know, I, it was it was crazy. But these these aren't the stories that I'm talking about. I'm talking about, let's go all the way back to 1968. 1968. Dave McDaniels. He was a wide receiver. Before there was Jerry Rice, there was Dave McDaniels at Mississippi Valley State. This guy was a 6'4", 200-pound wide receiver. Apparently, at the time, and it still is a decent speed, but a 4'4 speed at that time was really, really good. Okay, there weren't too many Olympic-level sprinters. The Dallas Cowboys, they were a team that were innovative when it came to the draft. They had computers, they had Gil Brandt, they were doing some great things and doing all of their intel and traveling. They had to get in the car, okay? Uh, they weren't the only team that did it before that. You had a couple 
uh, people that did that for the Rams, one in particular. Uh, we've talked about him before, but you had the, the Cowboys who were doing their homework. They were doing their homework in 1968 as well, except there was one problem, okay? So not only did the scouts for the Dallas Cowboys clock this man at 4.40 in the 40, all right, as a receiver, and he was 6'4". Just imagine that. A 6'4 receiver that has full four speed. That's pretty good, right? Multiple teams in the NFL had the exact same time. Well, training camp comes around after the Cowboys have drafted this guy in the second round. In the second round, okay? Training camp comes around. They decide, okay, we're going to clock you again. What time did he run? 4.73. What the heck? What, what? Wait a minute. Can you do that again? Come back. Can you run that again? 4.73 was the time he was clocked in. How do you make that mistake? How do you drop three-tenths of a second off? How, how, how are you running? Are you hurt? Are you okay? No, he ran a 4.73. Well, they called up Mississippi uh, Valley State University, and the people told them, the Dallas <laughs> told Dallas, well, the track is actually a yard and a half short of being a full 40 yards so this guy was running on running that 4.4 but it took him that extra yard and a half to run that extra three tenths of a second and yeah y'all messed up y'all messed up this guy only played four games zero catches zero catches for his career he ended up being traded in 1969 for guess who Mike Dicker, that same coach that traded away the entire New Orleans 1999 draft, but you know he was he was traded. Uh, McDaniel's was for tight end Mike Dicker, the Hall of Fame tight end Mike Dicker, for you know McDaniel's uh, January 28th that next year traded him away. You know Dicker ended up, of course, having that Hall of Fame uh, level as a tight end was a great tight end and had a Hall of Fame level career as a coach um and it started with dallas winning you know the super bowl with dallas in 1971 and going on to be an, a long time assistant coach before getting that job in chicago but i mean dave mcdaniels man can y'all please fix the track anyway uh, here's another one i thought was interesting in 1976 uh a former nfl receiver they only played a, two years in the league 49 and 50 by the name of paul salada decided to start kicking it for the last pick of the NFL draft. You know, so they threw a big party for him, uh, you know, and made a big hoopla about it. Okay, that's great. Well, the very first recognized, you know, uh, Mr. Irrelevant is what they call it, was Kevin, excuse me, Kelvin Kirk. He was a wide receiver out of date. In the 17th round of the 1979 draft, Pittsburgh had the last pick and the LA Rams had the next to last pick in that draft. Well, uh, the Rams, who just so it ended up after that season was over, they, they were Steelers and Rams were battling in Super Bowl 14. And of course, the Steelers won 31 and 19 in Pasadena. Well, they were battling in that draft. Their first battle was in that draft. The Rams decided to pass on their pick. Well, the they wanted the uh, apparently, the Rams wanted the pub. They wanted the publicity of having Mr. Irrelevant. 
Well, the Steelers said, no, we want that. So we're going to pass on ours. They went back and forth doing that until the commissioner, Pete Rosell, said, all right, nope, no more of that. Salada rule, which basically that rule was you cannot pass in order to be able to pick last. And so, you know, the uh, Steelers selected Kelvin Kirk, who ended up going on to play in the CFL for like four teams, caught over 150 passes. The guy got cut before the season even got started. So, I mean, that was that was wild. This one was pretty good. I, I thought this one was pretty good. Let's go all the way back to 1944. The Philadelphia Eagles, uh, they selected a fullback out of, the uni- out of Syracuse University by the name of Norm Michael in the 18th round. Now, you have to understand that around this time, the draft was a little bit more expanded because of the war. When there was World War II, they expanded it, even going back, I believe, to, to the First World War, they did the exact same thing. <laughs> because not everybody was going to be able to play because you had those who were going overseas, those who were going to be serving, and you had to draft somebody to fill their shoes. Okay, The ones who were more able-bodied, they were put in the war. They had to serve. But the ones who were a little bit less, they had some injuries. They came up you know, with their uh, charts not looking so good, kind of like Steve Rogers, Captain America. Then they got to stay home and play football. Well, Norm Michael was selected again in the 18th round, and Michael did not find out until he was reading the paper that he was even selected. Had no idea he was selected until some 55 years later in 1999. He was reading the paper in 1999. That paper happened to be the uh, Syracuse alumni paper called the Post Standard. That was the name of the paper, the Post Standard. He was reading in in the section where it was talking about Syracuse alumni that were drafted into the NFL. And his name was there. It's like, I had no idea. I had no idea. I think he said to his son, you want to see, hey, is there a signing bonus that y'all owe me? (laughs) Do you have some money that y'all owe me? Well, they couldn't couldn't locate the man. And the reason why was because he was serving in the war. Of course, Syracuse is all the way up in New York. He was on a base in Montgomery, Alabama, serving in the Army during World War II. That's wild. I, 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 that one, that's crazy. I, I would think there would be better ways to communicate and try to find this guy. You know, you got those who probably wanted to play like Norm Michael, but then you got those who do not want to play. 1995, 6'8", 335-pound tackle, from BYU, his name was Eli, or is, he's still alive, as far as I know, Eli Herring. This guy was a huge tackle that was supposed to be somewhere between a third and, uh, oh, excuse me, a first round pick and a third round pick. But the problem was, the guy was a devout Mormon, still is. He's a devout Mormon. He's like, eh, there's better things to do on Sunday than play football. I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm not playing. Unless y'all play on Saturday or any other day of the week, I will not be participating. Of course, the Raiders, they had to be that guy. They had to be that team. And they were kind of like, you know, on the blocks anyway. And Al Davis and and company, they wanted to take a chance anyway. In the sixth round, they picked him anyway. And they offered him with a three-year, $1.5 million contract, which equaled 500 grand per year. And uh, they even sent other Mormons to his house to try to convince the guy 
hey, come on, you can play this game. You know, just come on, just just you know, a couple Sundays out of the year. The guy was like, no. He ended up taking, uh, starting off a teaching job. And I, I don't know if he's, um, the, one of the articles that I looked at, I grazed over, was written in 2015. He was 45 at the time and a, uh, and a coach in, a football coach in high school, as well as being this math teacher. At the time he started off, he took a $22,000 a year teaching job instead. Seven kids, you know, married, seven kids. I mean, I guess he's doing okay without the NFL, <laughs> but that's crazy. Oh man, this is, this was wild. He said, no, not everybody wants to play professional football. Not everybody wants to play. Well, let's go ahead backwards. We're going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The year after John Elway said, hey, I'm not playing for the Colts. And the same year that the Colts and and uh, Bob Ursay said, well, we're out of here in the middle of the night, you know, stealing his team away from Baltimore and moving to Indianapolis in the middle of the night. Well, the 84 draft comes up. And this, uh, this was a pretty good article written by Sam Farmer of the LA Times. And he's talking about the, the Pittsburgh Steelers and Chuck Knoll. They, you know, you got the phones. The phones are very, very vital in the draft. And um, with this one, this was back during the time of the USFL. And so they were battling for players. And so you have the Pittsburgh Steelers that really wanted Lewis Lips. And basically, Lewis Lips uh, was their guy out of Southern Miss or Mississippi. He was a wide receiver. And he actually was pretty good. I think he, you know, he, he, um, yeah, he broke a couple records. I think I, I don't, don't quote me on that. But anyway, I probably need to check that before I even say that. But this guy, you know, there's no cell phones. Okay, so if you tried to call, you know, there's no call waiting. When you called back in the day, even going into the '90s before there was, you know, the early '90s, I believe, you know, you used to have a call that you would hear it beep. And then you could switch over. But before that, if you got a busy signal, you just hung up. And so they wanted to tie the lines up so nobody else would touch it. We want Lewis Lips and we don't want anybody else to touch him. So what they did, they got him on the phone. And basically, they were picking 23rd in the draft. And remember, the draft wasn't as fast as it is now. And so I can only imagine just how long. Now, I read in the article that he was on the phone over an hour i think it might have been longer than that but i mean this was the first round so they kept him on the phone just in case somebody else tried to call and this is per tony dungy he said that bill nunn called lewis and said hey lewis we've got about five picks to go and we want to draft you if you want to come to the steelers all you have to do is stay on the phone so five picks that tells you the timeline now if he's on the phone for an hour or more and there were only five picks until they were selecting that tells you the timeline i told you the draft used to be a lot if you was going to watch the draft then you had to be dedicated you know what i mean and i was watching the 90s and it seemed like it was like 15 minutes between picks and they used every last second <laughs> and that was so so oh nerve-wracking but I, I i just had it on all day i ate and, and i did things in between and I kept the TV on the whole time, but Lewis Lips, he was an all-pro, a two-time all-pro, and the NFL's Offensive Rookie of the Year, as a matter of fact. So, and even with Tony Dungy, Tony Dungy signed on as a free agent, and he didn't know that the draft was over, for instance. This is before 
Uh, this is going back to what 1976, I believe. Uh, and Dungey was waiting to be. He was draft eligible coming out of the University of Minnesota. And remember, this guy was actually a quarterback and should have been playing quarterback or given a chance. But he ended up playing defensive back in the league for the Pittsburgh Steelers before turning it to the defensive side of the ball. But when he was draft eligible, this guy was waiting to get a phone call. No one ever called. He picks up the phone and calls the Associated Press, the AP. And they say that, I'm sorry, but the draft has it, draft has been over for a long time now. So he ended up signing up as a free agent instead. So this one I thought was pretty funny. Hall of Fame coach, head coach, Don Shula, 1993. They have a they uh they draft Virginia's Terry Kirby. If anybody remembers Terry Kirby, he was kind of a utility type back. He played about 10 years in the league. His first three for the Miami Dolphins. Well, when he was drafted, apparently, he supposedly through the rumor mill was blind, legally blind, on one side, his right eye. He had 20-40 vision. And apparently, Shula did not find this out, out until after they drafted him. <laughs> and the reporters, he's standing there uh, during the, the news conference, the post-draft news conference. And he said that uh, <laughs> they're asking him a question. And the question was, okay, so the reporter asked Shula if he was worried about his rookie running back catching passes out of the backfield because he had problems with his right eye. And then apparently, you know, I mean, Shula was not one to miss words. And he turns to the Dolphins' PR man, Harvey Green. And, he, and Green, well, Harvey, PR man Harvey Green said he Tom turned to his uh, personnel director, Tom Heckert, and said, did we just draft a bleeping blind guy? Oh, man. And this guy, yeah, and, and at the, towards the end of the article, he said something else flashed before Hecker's eyes was his entire career. Now, I don't know what happened to this guy. I should have looked him up to see if he kept his job or not. But he last, I mean, Kirby, Terry Kirby lasted three years with the Dolphins, and then he played seven more for a couple other teams. Not, not a problem. Not a problem. Uh, and then just looking at the fact that, you know, you had the, the phone thing. I even read, uh, read one where the first year, of Hall of Fame tight end Ozzie Newsom and a Hall of Fame GM at that as well. His first year with the Baltimore Ravens, one of his first picks was actually going to be Jermaine Lewis, you know, the wide receiver who was more of a return guy. And this was in the first round. He wasn't the first player, you know, that Ozzie Newsom drafted, but he was one of them. And uh, he couldn't get him on the phone. Like I said, the phones were very essential. <laughs> And uh, and apparently they they couldn't reach the guy, and you know you have for what they talked about in the article, you know everybody provides about three numbers, they, and they had cell phones by then, but the reason that they couldn't get through to him is because Lewis was very frustrated, thought he was going to get drafted a little bit earlier, so what did he do? Uh, <laughs> five or ten minutes after Newsom turns the card in, he gets a phone call. And he said, it's Jermaine. Obviously, you know, <laughs> Mr. GM is relieved. And so, <laughs> Isaac Newsom says to Jermaine Lewis, where are you? He said that Lewis told him, I got so frustrated with the draft that he went to the movies 
and he cut his phone off. Could nobody find him. So he's like, you know what? Bleep it. I'm 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 out. Let's go see something. As, but they they got a good player in Jermaine Lewis. But boy, phones can really be a real issue, a real issue, especially back then. Now it's not as bad. Apparently, it's not as bad. I mean, the communication with draft picks now. You got Twitter. Twitter's announcing picks before even the commissioner is announcing it. I'm not looking at Twitter. I'm I'm going to be like some of these other draft experts or whatever and just not during the draft i'm not looking at twitter i'd like to know who the steelers are going to pick and i'd like to you know be happy or mad but i'd rather be a little bit more surprised i'd rather hear it come from the commissioner or whoever's announcing after that you know they got all these different people that announce these picks but anyway this is my i'm gonna end with my favorite one my favorite one and i'm going to read this one verbatim because i i just thought that it was I just couldn't believe it. Cleveland Brown fans will appreciate this one. Some of them, the diehards, they probably know who I'm talking about. So Cleveland Brown's owner, Art Modell, got quite a surprise after his team drafted Wisconsin cornerback Lawrence Johnson, among the fastest runners in the country in the second round of the 1979 draft. Okay, Per tradition, after the pick was official, a Browns assistant, put the player on the phone with Modell. Okay, so former team executive Kevin Byrne remembers the conversation thusly. Okay, this is quote, Lawrence, this is Art Modell. Welcome to the Cleveland Browns. You're our second round selection. And here's Johnson. Oh my gosh, I had no, I had no idea I'd be drafted this soon. Some people told me I might be a free agent. We're glad to have you. It's my understanding you're one of the fastest guys around it. This is Modell talking. And here's, here's Johnson. Well, I'm pretty fast for my size. I'll be faster when I get my weight down. How much do you weigh, Modell asked. <laughs> Johnson says, I'm about 290 now. What the heck? 290-pound cornerback. Is that real? You're probably thinking. The owner cupped his hand over the mouthpiece, turned to his coaches, and whispered, we drafted a corner who weighs 290 pounds? Yeah. Well, the person who got Lawrence on the phone starts scrambling and goes, wrong Lawrence Johnson. Burns said he's got an office of tackle from somewhere in Wyoming. Fortunately for the Browns, they did actually draft the corner and eventually got him on the phone. How scary is that? Like, seriously, how scary is that? Oh, God. you got these guys with the same names. I mean, it was two Alex Smiths. You got the one, I think they played tight end for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then, of course, you have, I mean, uh, you have the Alex Smith that played quarterback for the Chiefs. Now, the, the year of the draft, they invited Alex Smith, the Detroit Lions did, to their facility. And not the tight end showed up, the quarterback showed up. Yeah. So, I mean, you have that. That is, that's wild. That's wild. But then you have something like this. You got to make sure you got the right numbers, man. You do. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Thank y'all for listening. References. That's it. References. Thanks to ESPN.com, ProFootballReference.com. All right. And also, YouTube. This is this was a pretty good uh, video. The draft, the NFL drafts, most insane stories. This was by KTO, Karsten the Oracle. Also, ESPN.com's Jeff Marin. 
the strangest NFL draft moments. Also, LATimes.com, gaffes, gags, busy signals, and a dog named Buttercup, wacky NFL draft stories by Sam Farmer. This was dated April 25th, 2021. This has been the Behind the Mic Podcast. I am your host, Michael Neal Jr. Thank you for listening to this show. We are presented by Belly Up Sports, Belly Up Media, also Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Check us out on bellyupsports.com and also our home base of Megaphone. You can also catch us on all the favorites, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Tell all your friends and family about this show or I'll find your house. I'm out. Peace.